Welcome to the Show Me The Money podcast, unlocking property finance. Join us on an exciting journey into the world of property finance, where we uncover secrets, strategies, and opportunities that can turn your property dreams into a lucrative reality. Welcome to Show Me The Money, unlocking property finance. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another recording of the Show Me The Money podcast. Uh, today with your hosts, once again, uh, myself, Rose Sharma, and from War Financial, our very own... Mark Champ. Nice to meet you, everybody. And I am so grateful to have our guest on today, uh, Joshua Tharby. Um, Josh uh, and I have known each other for a little while, um, and we've brought him on because we know he's got a valuable message and great experience. So uh, welcome, Josh. Absolute pleasure to be here. I hopefully share a lot of knowledge today on today's podcast. Right, it's good to have you, Josh. So obviously we we've not met before, so I'm really looking forward to hearing about your uh, you know what you've been up to, uh, and, and hopefully it's going to be a really interesting episode for our listeners. So perhaps we should kick it off with a introduction. Tell us about yourself, your background, what it is you do now, how you've got into it, and uh, I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation off the back of that. Yeah, fantastic. So I guess in terms of kind of what I do, so yeah, starting off, um, basically property tax and accountancies, you know, bread and butter. We started that uh, just over five years ago now. So I started my own firm prior to working in kind of large accountancy firms, uh, JSM Partners. Um, and we basically help landlords, property investors, property developers stay on top of their accounts, their tax, um, and most importantly, minimize their taxes as well. So making sure that they're utilizing all the exemptions, reliefs, stamp duty, VAT, kind of all the complex areas, which when speaking to other prospective clients, it was kind of that thing that was lacking. Everybody struggled to find a good property accountant that could kind of advise them on the stamp duty, the VAT, the group structures, kind of things where it got a bit complicated. It was a case of you know, so many accountants literally just were filing the accounts and that was it. So it kind of really identified there was a good opportunity for us to actually set up a set up a firm that really focuses on the tax for landlords, property investors, and developers. And that's exactly what I did five years ago. Um, and it's just gone from strength to strength since then. Um, and now that kind of has led me to Dubai. For one reason, of course, the UK and the taxes, but then of course also you've got the fantastic weather out here in Dubai as well. So now that's kind of led to a second business arm where we're actually helping high net worth individuals relocate from the UK to Dubai, um, most importantly for the, for the tax advantages that you get from being based out here. And do you know what? that? There's so many things that you've said there have just sparked things with me. Um, <laughs> and I know, uh, so I deal with a lot of property investors and uh, I'm a property investor my, myself. And we, we've got an accountant that we've used for years uh, and he's very good. Um, but there is every time I have a customer come to me, they ask me, oh, I need a power team and yeah. I need somebody who can help me with my taxes. And you refer them to an accountant and usually, and this is stereotypical, but they're an older person who yeah. is a bit stuck in their ways and is very um, one dimensional. But even it, an actual specific property advisor, tax advisor and accountant wherever it may be, is so important. And mentioning that and actually um, creating that niche is so important and definitely um, a, a thing that I think brings you to the fore of uh, any property conversation. Uh, what do you think, Ray? Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, indeed, indeed. And um, I think also, you know, just picking up on your point about the interesting things that we can probably pick apart there, I'm starting to see a lot, you know, a lot of people within the property community who are sort of relocating over to yeah. Dubai as well. So it'd be really interesting to pick that apart in terms of the incentives, the structures, because a lot of people don't really understand kind of what the, the sort of tax situation is over there other than <laughs> they're not being much taxed. So I think that's that's going to be a, a great, great thing to talk about. But yeah, no, to, to, to Mark's point, absolutely agree. Yeah, and I think, um, Josh, when we're looking at Dubai, if we touch on, go straight into that. Yeah. I think people were a little bit scared of it. And we've, I, I've had interest in Dubai and I'm coming out um, tomorrow to, to see you and help launch the PPN out there. But I think they're scared of what, Dubai, the property landscape is, and all the rules and the regulations. Do you want to talk to us about the the tax side of it and how it can be advantageous? Yeah, well, well absolutely. I guess I suppose the main thing is fundamentally that we kind of help people coming from the UK, potentially business owners, property investors, typically used to kind of have to extract money from their company, salary dividends, large corporation tax bills. Um, and for the most part, in the UAE, in Dubai, there's zero percent income tax, zero percent capital gains tax. They've recently just introduced a 9% corporation tax on profits over about 100,000 USD over here for companies and when you're running a sole trade. Um, but you know, there's still massive opportunity there to make sure that you are paying less than that or pretty much most people that we work with end up paying no tax. Um, just the main opportunity there is, of course, if you've got 0% income tax, you can pay yourself a pretty decent salary as long as it's market rate from your company, uh, which is, of course, tax deductible. So actually the vast majority of people don't end up paying tax out here. So that that really is, that was, yeah, sorry. So yeah, in terms of how does that work? Well, similar to the UK in that you can put, you've got a business, you you have your income, have your expenses and your salary would be fully tax deductible as long as it's a market rate salary. So if your company's earning millions of pounds a year and you couldn't just kind of put a salary free for millions of pounds because that would be excessive. And then the tax authorities out here would challenge that. But if you're a kind of consultancy business, smaller kind of, you've got a couple of people where maybe you've earned a quarter million pounds, half million pound profit for the year. Well, actually paying that out in salary and a bonus, which again would be tax deductible, is pretty reasonable because that's what you would probably be earning if you were working for um, a large London based firm or if you were working for, if you were to have somebody else come in and do your job, that's probably what you'd be paying them. So actually you can fully tax it up that, that goes straight from the business bank account into your personal bank account with zero taxes. So it's just a completely different way of living because in the UK, of course, you've got a budget for your corporation tax. You've then got a budget for your VAT. And then when you transfer some money out, you think, okay, I actually need to do a payment on account and then budget for the later tax payments that you have to make. Whereas here, you... And that is... Yeah. You're completely right. That is tough because, for instance, with me and my business, whenever I make profit, I obviously have corporation tax. So I put it in a SaaS so that I, I... have a a more tax efficient structure but unfortunately you have to guess how much that you can put away so that you've got a nice float for the rest of the year's business if you put too much away you can't get it back out is without paying tax (laughs) so it's very difficult so having something that's um obviously more advantageous in the first place um definitely is uh something to to consider Ro, you 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 look like you're thinking to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, to if we were just to roll it back just a second, just for um, just so that people understand who are listening to this. So, where 
are your companies going to be registered, for example? So let's say someone is either, I mean, there's two things, someone moving to Dubai and setting up a business there. What about people who are moving from the UK? They've got companies registered here. How, how, how does that work? Because obviously there's a lot of benefits that we're describing here, but just breaking it down to the mechanics of it in, in either of those two scenarios, yeah. that'll really help people to understand how it works. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, focus, I'll go for the second one first because that'll probably explain the first one, but it depends on what type of company you've got currently set up in the UK. So if you're literally kind of running a service-based business, a consultancy-based business, basically there's no kind of intellectual property to the in the company really. You've not got any physical assets. It's literally just you doing work, billing it to the company. In cases like that, we literally quite often, um, it's a case of winding down the UK business, setting up a new business here in Dubai, a free zone company or a mainland company over in Dubai. And then it's just a case of actually you relocating to Dubai and starting to bill people and send invoices from the newly incorporated Dubai entity. If it's a case of where you've actually got a physical business where you've got assets in the UK, that makes it a lot harder or usually not worth it. Um, and what we then look to do is quite often keep the UK-based business where you've got your staff, where you've got offices. Um, and then what you either do is you kind of take a salary from your UK-based business, which is tax-free as well. So you just take a good market value salary from the UK business to reduce that corporation tax. And then um, any dividends you take, they're tax-free. So you don't quite get the full corporation tax benefit if you've got a large established company that's basically fully traded from the UK, but you still do get all of the income tax benefits. And that's obviously based on you no longer being a resident in the UK. Um, and then what? So what taxes do you do you then get? You know, exposed to for having that company in the UK. So in terms of UK taxes, you mentioned corporation tax, obviously. Yeah, that that would just be it. So quite. So yeah. it, I'll, I'll kind of I'll touch it back to property because property is a great one in that UK property. When you own it, it's in the UK. Of course, you're always going to pay tax on that property in the UK because that's where the property is situated. Yeah. Um, and of course, you'll also pay tax in the uh, country you're resident in, which is Dubai, so 0% tax. And say, for instance, you've got a UK limited company with um, many properties in, that profit will always be taxed in the UK because that's where the company is resident and that's where the property is resident. But if you're managing your property portfolio from Dubai, again, you can pay yourself a market value salary for the work that you're doing uh, managing the property, dealing with tenants, finding new properties, mortgage applications, refinance, all of that kind of stuff, where actually you are performing work, you are performing value for the company. You would kind of think, okay, if your business is doing £150,000, £200,000 net profit, well, actually a salary of fifty or £100,000 is pretty reasonable for the value that you're creating, which would potentially leave £100,000 exposed in the UK. You pay corporation tax at not between 19 or 25%, but then anything else that's in the company is fully tax-free. So you pay that 19%. Um, end of the year, you'll have £81,000 left. You can take all of that out as a dividend. Plus you've taken £100,000 out salary tax-free as well. So on £200,000 of profit, there's 19% tax, uh, £19,000 tax bill on that. So less than 10%. Interesting. And I guess uh, just as a reminder to our listeners, nothing in this podcast is to be taken <laughs> as tax advice. This is for information purposes only to do <laughs> consult a specialist <laughs> for your own individual individual requirements, uh, as I'm sure is a, um, something you would often brief them on anyway. But there we go. <laughs> Better squeeze that in there. Very so interesting. Obviously, obviously these um, advantages are there. Is there going to be anything that's going to stop them in the future? Uh, are Dubai looking to 
you know, wind these this this up, or is it going to continue for the foreseeable? Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say it's going to continue for the foreseeable because the new 9% corporation tax, that's very new. It's literally only come in for accounting periods that end after the 30th of June, 2023. And the reason for that is a couple of things. They are starting to introduce taxes as their oil reserves become depleted. Um, but the, the main one was they were on basically the, um, the grey list for money laundering because of their low tax rates. The Western world, they don't want these tax havens. They can see everybody's moving here uh, and they're losing out. So they made it very difficult to do banking, send money internationally. Whereas the UAE have actually said, you know what, we'll introduce this minimum corporation tax. You know, make it so you can't have huge tax advantages living here. You've still got the income tax, but it's really the corporate tax where all the large multinationals, the Googles, the Starbucks, where they were kind of the Western world feel they're losing revenue to when they're setting up in these tax havens. Um, so in terms of the way it is at the minute, I'd, I'd say they've introduced a 9%. That's probably going to stay as it is for years to come. That, that, could they introduce income tax? I mean, there's a chance, but I think in terms of where Dubai is still in its life, start, uh, kind of life cycle, it's in its infancy as to where it wants to get to. They've got a actual plan where they want the population of Dubai to be 8 million by 2040. And at the minute, it's about 4.55 million. So they still want to attract a lot of people to Dubai. And one of the best ways of doing that at the minute is taxes. So they'll probably keep the landscape as it is until they get a lot closer to that target. Yeah, so we're, we're doing some work at the moment helping a private school being built out there. And um, we, we've done a lot of the research in the background and the, the, obviously the increase in the population has been going up. It has slowed slightly. But what yeah. was interesting was the actual number of children moving there had gone up massively. So it seems that previously it was young, younger people who were um, going out for a, a role for a few years. But now yeah. it seems like actual full families are going out there and that's increasing and people having children and staying for a longer period of time so i think the whole demographic is changing and that um target for the the emiratis is is definitely something that that is is achievable i think one thing that may stand in the way slightly is the emergence of saudi arabia yeah uh, and, and and the law there especially with the the boxing and everything happening everybody's talking about <laughs> it and um yeah, the, the focus has moved slightly. But again, yeah. I think Dubai is still number one for the destination people are looking for. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. Even in, not necessarily Dubai, but it's one of the Emirates, um, Ras al Cayman, they've literally just got the first casino being approved in the UAE. So they are kind of making it that one-stop shop, almost like Vegas, where people come, they spend money, they have a great time, where you've got all that kind of stimulation available that you're looking for. So it's a case that there's still a lot more to happen within the UAE, within Dubai and the neighbouring Emirates. So it's kind of, people think it's just Dubai, whereas actually Ras al Cayman is, about 30 minutes away, 45 minutes away. So it's still basically Dubai. You don't need to cross any borders. Um, you're still part of the UAE. And that's where the first casinos go in. And it won't be long before you've got casinos in Dubai as well, which again, will just really add that extra appeal to the Western world that Saudi went up. Saudi is still illegal to, have alcohol, to drink alcohol over there. So it's going to be a very long time before they do enough to really attract you know, the, the Western world that love to gamble and love to drink. Yeah, and talk, talking about that, and I'm not saying this is part of uh, the reason um, we make money, but a lot of the time when people do make money, they want the lifestyle. And I presume yeah. uh, from seeing you on Instagram and everything, you you like the lifestyle out there. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what's great about Dubai is you can you you've got anything available to you. You've got the lifestyle. You can you can go on a yacht for the weekend if you want. You can get any supercar you want delivered to you on WhatsApp within an hour. Like if you have a guy, okay, yeah, I can get a Rolls Royce delivered. I can get a Rolls Cullinan within an hour, and it's just so convenient and accessible. You can have cleaners, chefs for where you're looking to pay for it. You can get pretty much anything you want here in Dubai. Yeah, it does. It does seem that way. Um, and uh, uh, Ro lives a very rock and roll lifestyle. He he probably has his own <laughs> uh, Rolls Royce and uh, Lambo out there. But um, in my dreams, not yet. One day, <laughs> no. You just got a, a screaming baby at the moment, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> but there's so it just looks like there's so many advantages to it. Um, but the I think people were nervous about doing something slightly different, but then fortune yeah. favours the brave. And I presume you would encourage people to to have a look at this at least. Yeah, absolutely. Just from a wealth building point of view, being based up here, if you're if, if, literally kind of speaking from my own experience, exactly where I am. If I still stayed in the UK, a business owner, you're making decent money, a good couple hundred thousand pound profit. You're living in the UK, so you've kind of got actually the UK isn't quite what it once was. Crime is quite dangerous these days. If you go to London wearing a decent watch, you're probably not going to return home with it. Um, you kind of increase knife crime, all those kind of bad stuff. That's actually the facts in the UK. And you're paying most entrepreneurs, most business owners, if you're taking money out of your company in profits, you're paying close to, if you're in excess of 50% tax on that with a combination of corporation tax, income tax, um, and everything else. So actually, if you were to base yourself in Dubai, you get all the safety benefits, you get the year-round sunshine benefits, and then actually you get to keep 100% of your profits. And fair enough, if you don't want to live in Dubai forever, I'm not sure that I do. But if I can do, say, five years here, take that 50% which of my income, which was previously going to the tax man, and actually use that for investments, whether that's to buy real estate, send it back to the UK, to buy UK real estate, you do that for five years, still spending the same amount of money you are each year as you were in the UK, just taking those tax benefits, sticking them into property, within five years, you will have an insane amount of wealth. We've not done anything different. You're just living in a different country for five years. And that's, yeah, I, where, that's where I encourage people to look at it because that is just powerful alone. Yeah, and you, you mentioned there the, the Dubai real estate investments. There's more and more advertisements that are popping up all through social media. And they look very attractive. The the fact that you only need to put down a portion of the um, uh, the, the value to start off with, and then you pay in stages, etc. Do you know too much about that that side of things? Yeah. So yeah, I'm quite familiar with it. I've got kind of many friends and contacts that are real estate agents. I'm, I kind of chats with many of them, so I understand how it works. Um, in terms of yeah, you can still get mortgages for property out here. If you're buying off plan, you can get very attractive payment plans where you can literally kind of pay one percent a month of the property value. And then even when it's complete, depending on the scheme, they could even give you five years after as well to continue paying it off. So many of this, many of the developers do give very attractive payment schemes to make it affordable. Um, but yeah, it's there are a lot of lot of opportunity out here with property. It's not something that I've personally got into out here just because. For me, it still seems it's, it's risky. Effectively, the market here is literally. When I speak to a broker the other week, it's literally almost just reached the two thousand and eight highs. So it's taken a long time to recover from the financial crisis. Um, 
and ultimately that's it makes it risky if it takes that long it, some areas on the palm the values have doubled in a year and if, you, if you're investing there and something's doubled in a year well it can quite easily go back down there next year so there's too much fluctuation um, for me which is why i still love uk real estate because it's tried and tested and it's it's solid yeah well that's uh, that's uh, again a, a good uh segue there to the, the uk real estate sector we're seeing more and more foreign investors wanting to invest in the UK. Are you seeing the Emiratis looking at the UK? Is that something that they're bothered about? Is that something they're interested in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we work with um, Emiratis. Uh, even just uh, last week, I was speaking of an individual from Kuwait who's buying loads of property um, in and around, uh, I think it's North London he was focusing on. So yeah, there's a lot of interest from GCC um, states and individuals looking to invest in the UK just because it is stable. It seems a bit more attractive then the local developments going on in Dubai, um, and ultimately, you know, there's a lot of interest going that way. And is that something that you can advise them on tax structures? Um, is that would you do yeah, that as well? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what we do. So where they say, okay, should I buy it? Well, quite quite often these days, it kind of comes down to three different three different ways of owning property. So in your own name, in a limited company, or in some kind of well, limited company, you can separate that out to an offshore company or a uk limited company and then some kind of trust whether that would be a uk based trust or an offshore trust so actually looking to see what they're hoping to achieve through that property whether it's capital appreciation income and making sure that they've got the best ownership structure to purchase that property and then of course with the ownership structure whatever it is there's the ongoing compliance as well so we can help them take care of both of those points it does really sound like you've got it all tied up, ready, ready for people to to look after them. And I'm sure the customer service is is very good as well. That's what we're aiming for. Make it as easy as possible um, and as simple as possible. Yeah, and it, it that is massively important. You know, we we get a lot of customers come to us at Wharf, and it's because people have let them down in the past, and yeah. they they come to us and they're surprised that you give them a decent customer service. <laughs> It's, it's yeah, like it's, you, you just it. got to find a couple of things to do well because across the solicitors, accountants, the kind of it's old mature industry. It's a case of where so often things are done quite badly that you know if I, I might not be a great accountant, but I'm just probably a little bit better than everybody else. I'm a good accountant, so you just do a little bit more than the poor standard that the rest of the service delivers, and then yeah. that's enough edge to get more clients, grow a business. Um, and ultimately deliver a good service to everybody else because the standard is so poor. Yeah, I tend to agree. And right, what, what do you think as a, an investor and as a developer? How have you seen the the services that that help? Yeah, so um, well, and you'd say the services the, that are based over here. In uh, yeah, I'd say the power team, and I, yeah. I hate using that phrase, but <laughs> yeah, the power team that, that goes round. Um, the the investor and developer yeah how are you how do you see them how 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 have they work for you yeah i mean i guess one of the challenges is um just getting good people getting good service um and i think whenever you get people who are well known um within a certain community then more and more people start using them which sometimes then yeah that's that's uh, a bad thing because especially with us, we've, yeah. we've got a waiting list at the minute we can't hire good quality accountants fast enough so it's a case of we kind of get oversubscribed and then have to put everyone on a waiting list. Sorry, guys, we can't take you all on just yeah. because we can't grow the company fast enough. Yeah, and, and one of the problems here is that sometimes people will just say yes, take the business on, and the service levels drop, which actually yeah. can be, you know, um, 
complete pain as well. So it's, it's a now, difficult one. Got to get that was a massive problem with the lenders. After the credit crunch and the challenger banks came in, the challenger banks, if you remember when they started, they were sleek, they moved quickly, you can get deals through. And for instance, Shawbrook yeah. was, a, was a great lender. It was brilliant. But then as time went on and more and more volume came in, the service levels went down and they couldn't employ underwriters quickly enough. And the problems are still being felt today because you just can't get the, the right people with the right experience. It's, uh, it's yep. really difficult. So, yeah. I've got a, a, a question on a slightly different note. Um, this is probably one for Mark. But I'm sure you, you know, you both will have experience of this. Let Josh answer it first. Throw me yeah, into yeah. it. <laughs> Sorry, if you've got okay, you've got um company owners based in Dubai. If they are property developers or investors still doing projects in the UK, how does that affect their ability to raise finance? Are there any complications there or any, anything I guess that you've come across, Josh, on the tax and accounting side that um can make it challenging? We obviously know about the benefits from the tax perspective, yeah. but when it comes to doing deals, what sort of things do people need to be aware of as what could be a bit more challenging for them or opportunities indeed? Yeah. So in terms of the, the kind of tax issues there of being non-resident, uh, especially if you're in the property in your own name, there's effectively, it's called a non-resident landlord scheme and you you have to register for that. And either the tenant or the letting agent has to deduct 20% income tax before they pay you your rent, unless you've kind of got gross payment status, in which case they can pay you it fully. Um, that probably That's probably the only kind of nuance to it. The rest of it from an accounts and tax point of view, if you've got UK limited companies, is exactly as kind of you're familiar with um, as a UK property investor. But then my experience, especially with the mortgage and finance side, I'm sure Mark will add in, on detail to that is, you know, you have to go to a different lender um, and it's just slightly more expensive. Yeah, definitely that. If you're you're an expat over in Dubai looking to invest in the UK, you can add 1% to whatever yeah. the, the rate is. If you are a foreign national in Dubai or anywhere else, then it's a lot harder. You... You, there are there are a lot less lenders. However, over the last few weeks, I have seen more and more come into the market, and I think that's because the yields we're getting in the the UK are, and are so poor that people are looking for any advantage. So they yeah. are the lenders are fully aware people are going to be moving to the, the UAE and they're going to be moving elsewhere to to make their money work harder for them. So they need to be able to get in there before anybody else does. I know one of the, the big bridging stroke development lenders is about to launch a um, foreign nationals product. I can't say which one it is at the moment, but it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a service that hopefully I'll be able to use for my customers. And, you know, I'm coming out to, to Dubai, so we're going to be talking to investors out there. Um, we've got five days of meetings back to back. So it's, yeah. it's really going to be, something that I think we're going to see more and more of in the UK. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. In terms of just the the level of interest that we've got since being based out here full-time, kind of just over a year, I must have met hundreds of individuals, all expats, um, some foreign nationals as well, that yeah, they're looking to, they're investing already or they're in the process of investing already in the UK. So it's definitely a growing, growing area of investment and um, service. Yeah, and I think two, two other things to mention. I know Brexit, everybody hated it. 
well, half the country hated it. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's, it, you know, it's been tarnished, Brexit. Everything about Brexit is bad. But what we have seen is the UK does need to open up to the, the wider world. And working with the, the Emirates is going to be something that I think is going to happen more and more as our relationship probably deteriorates even further with Europe. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be opportunities. And we've actually been... Um, uh, contacted by an Indian national who brings export companies to the UK. And a lot of them are actually based in India and also Dubai, as they have another hub. And they want to be able to bring their business, but then invest in the UK in terms of property as well. So here, we've been talking to lots and lots of these types of companies. So it's going to be interesting. I think that it's going to be somewhere where the tax is obviously massively important that yeah. I, I think, yeah. uh, Josh, you're going to be integral to this, this yeah. part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what we're kind of, that's what we're starting to see at the minute. That's definitely what we're planning for as well. Yeah, I think it'll be good. And I think the world's only going to get smaller. So um, hopefully we'll be at the forefront and we can deliver this for, for, for customers all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. What about, um, so here's another one for you. What about people who are coming back to the UK from from Dubai? So they may have been out there loving the expat lifestyle and then after a while realise that actually for whatever reason they need to come back. Yeah. What sort of tax um, considerations or, or complications are there, if any, in that sort of scenario uh, for a personal um, or even from a business accounting perspective? Yeah, so there's kind of, there's one anti-avoidance rule that could catch a lot of people out so it's effectively it's called temporary non-residence rules um and what this does is basically if you go move overseas for less than five full tax years certain income and gains that you might have benefited from are fully taxable when you return the best example of this is say for instance you're a uh, you've got your uk limited company at the minute you've got a million pounds worth of retained earnings sitting on the balance sheet cash in the bank and you think okay what i'm going to do is i'm going to move to dubai for two or three years pull these dividends out tax-free because I've seen Joshua mention it online, go back to the UK afterwards, um, and that's all good. You know, I've, I've, I've paid my tax effectively in Dubai at 0%. I'm not going to worry about it. And that's exactly what this legislation covers. So if you're non-resident for the full five years, those income and gains that you earned, they were accrued in a period whilst you're UK resident, they will be taxable when you return, if you return within that five-year window. So in that case, if you're looking to benefit from that, save the income tax on that one million dividend, you'd have to make sure that you're non-resident for five full tax years, and then you can go back. Um, that's for the UK side of things. But if you're earning profits, running your own business, and all the profits you earn during the period whilst you're non-resident, effectively, you can have that cash in the bank. You can even send it back to the UK bank account. There's no issues around that during that tax year. And effectively, you're non-resident, so you've paid your taxes on that income in the tax year. You could go back five, 10 years time, a couple of million pounds from tax savings that you've got. That's cash in the bank. You've not got to worry about it anymore. Effectively, it's, there's nothing to worry about. And how, how long do you need to spend out of the UK or in Dubai to be, not be classed as a UK resident? Yeah, so for most people to not be UK resident, you can only spend up to typically 90 days in the UK per tax year. That's initially... Depending on your ties and your circumstances, it can actually go up to 182 days in the UK after a couple of years of being non-resident. And then to actually be tax resident in Dubai, 
most of the for most people now it's 183 days so you need to spend just over half the year physically in dubai and that's enough to get a tax certificate here and say okay you're tax resident in dubai so actually what it looks like for most clients is they'd spend enough time in dubai to be tax resident here they do three months in the uk and then quite often the other three months in europe marbella monaco somewhere around that just traveling and that's the kind of perfect strategy where you pay no tax you still have a home in the UK, you spend three months there, and then there were three months on holiday. Wow. Sounds sounds great. <laughs> uh, makes me realise I need to make a bit more money so that I can make all these moves worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh, it, it's very it's very interesting because you hear you hear about all people who do this and everyone also does it for different reasons. Um some good, some bad, uh, but generally yeah. speaking, you know, there's some lot of lot of good opportunities. You know, even if you're doing it the right way, um, and it's certainly something that I would be open to in the future. Yeah, ab- absolutely. In terms of, I'd say, minimum profit you need to be earning as a business owner to really kind of have the tax advantages and make all of this kind of worthwhile. The additional expenses we tend to see that if you're earning, as long as you're doing quarter of a million is probably the entry point where you really, there's some decent tax advantages there. But then of course, if your business is doing half a million a year net profit as an owner managed business, you're taking out dividends. That's where you really come. It comes into its own and you start to save probably about 150, 200,000 pound a year in taxes being based out here. So that's, about 250 is where you should start exploring it. Then, of course, as the profit goes up, the, the tax benefit just goes up in line. That's right. That's a really useful yardstick. That's interesting. Good. Okay. Well, um, I think we'll wrap that up um, for today's episode. Um, Joshua, thank you so much for, for coming on. How can people get yeah, hold of you, you and, and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there's a couple of different ways. So if you want to look at our website, so www.jsmtax.com. And then in terms of social media, you can follow me on Instagram, which is just at Joshua Tharby. And again, if you want more kind of free information, um, guidance, you can look on my YouTube channel, which is fantastic. And that's at Joshua Tharby as well. Tons of useful kind of general guidance on there as well to help you pay less in taxes. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you so much for that. And I, you know, I can definitely recommend the YouTube channel. Um, I stalk you on there. Have a look at everything you're doing and uh, get, get all the can of the, the information. So it's definitely a worth worthwhile uh, resource. So um, thank you again. Uh, and Ro, thank you for your time as well. Um, and then we'll be back next week with another episode and another guest. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, George. Pleasure. Good to meet you. Thank you very much. Bye. That concludes another episode of Show Me The Money podcast, Unlocking Property Finance. Connect with us on social media where we share additional tips, resources, and behind-the-scenes insights. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep making those smart investment moves. This has been Show Me The Money, Unlocking Property Finance.